0: Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Art.
1: And welcome back to the podcast. This is Ben Bateman talking to you guys about Magic the Gathering things. Uh, I'm here by myself, and Kessler's not here this week. So guys, a couple weeks ago we had a solo episode, and this is not another solo episode, I promise. Kessler's off in the world doing really cool stuff. He's off doing... Uh, Magic card stuff as well as his own company stuff, which is super, super cool. Um, He's in Shanghai right now, and he was in Hong Kong a couple weeks ago when we were doing this. So um, what we have for you today are a couple things. Um, Number one, I'm going to be doing a little bit of like tournament coverage update type of stuff. It's going to be what's been going on in the magic world. This is something Kessler and I have been talking about for a while that we've wanted to do. We feel that we cover modern well, but there is a lot that happens in the magic world. And uh, and that should probably be kind of updated for you guys in a very specific at the beginning of the podcast kind of a way. So I'm going to start with that for a few minutes. And then good friend of the podcast, Andrew Brown, is leaving the pro magic scene. Uh, after after being uh, in seven Pro Tours in a row, his first Pro Tour and failed to miss one for the next six, top eighting twice and top 25ing once, he's been hired by Wizards of the Coast to go make Magic cards for a living. So uh, he's moving. He's moving in like three days. And so I was lucky enough to get him one last time to come in and just kind of do a little bit of a retrospective. He talked about his decision to leave Pro Magic and go work for Wizards. Um... Just really happy for the kid, but it was very cool to hear. Obviously, his life has changed so much in the last little while that uh, it was an interview I really wanted to get, and I'm glad I did. So Kessler is in Shanghai, and he will be back for next week's episode, and we will be doing awesome things. But uh, without further ado, I'm going to get into our shout-outs. I'm going to do a little bit of what's going on in Magic, and then we will get to Andrew Brown. So, uh, as always, guys... The MMCast, we are on Twitter. If you guys want to follow us and interact, you've been super great about that recently. We're starting to edge into that almost 3,000 territory, which is cool. It's like, you know, people pay attention that like to hear us talk, and then we talk back, and it's like this whole mess of fun. So um, that's at the MMCast. You can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media, Twitter, sometimes Instagram, and uh, Kessler is at Kess Wiley. Um, That's W-Y-L-I-E, and he, you know, he likes to interact. He's like the most argumentative dude of all time. So if you you know have interest in talking to him, just go ahead and tweet at him. Um, aside from that, you can find the podcast itself uh, on, we are no longer on rocketjump.com. We are actually now on a site called collected.company. It's a new company we've formed um, with Jimmy and Josh. Um, those guys are the, the best. They have their own podcast, The Command Zone, that is super great and covers commander content exceptionally well. So you can find that. Collected. company, And, uh, if you want to follow along with us anywhere else, we're on Facebook. We're putting up our own videos on YouTube. If you go just, uh, YouTube search the MM cast and you'll get the channel. Um, I think it's slash top decking TV, but that's where you can find the video versions of the podcast. Uh, Mike Clary has been doing that for us. Mike Clary, friend of the podcast, is our video editor who is paid for by the Patreon, which you guys donate to every month with. is the best. It's month, not much. Um, It is patreon.com slash themmcast and uh, there's like some cool things you can get there. There's a new set of swag box items about to go out, so if you have been donating, don't you worry. You'll be getting your things very soon. Um, Aside from that, DMTW Clothing, it's our... Friends who make our merch, who have a clothing and lifestyle brand, DMTW. You can find our play mat, which may be sold out at this point. I think it probably is, but you can still find it there, just in case there's one left. That I'm wrong at DMTWclothing.com. It was a very cool play mat that we made with like the two of us playing magic in our formal wear and like a high rise cool building to look all fancy and stuff so that's pretty much the shout outs right there guys i'm gonna get into what's happened since last we talked um the biggest one is there was a pro tour kaladesh came out we did 25 cards that we thought were awesome from kaladesh and uh it's the set's really really cool the the pro tour was standard but nonetheless it was awesome and i watched a lot of it not all of it but i managed to watch a lot of the top eight and kind of see what was going on. You had some big uh, uh, combo decks using energy with Aetherworks Marvel, trying to get like Emrakul or Ulamog in a play. That was one of the big strategies. There was this cool Pierre Degan, the French player, was playing this really cool blue-red spells deck with like um, that three-mana energy artifact that can tap to pay five energy to lightning bolt somebody. The Dynavolt Tower, that's what it's called. Um that's like that one was really cool, and then there was like a white blue flash deck, some vehicles decks, um, a whole bunch of Gideon allies and cars. Smuggler's copter was everywhere. That card is so good. Like that card was just crazy good. But in the end, it was a control matchup in the finals. It was blue versus blue, and Shodayasuka ended up winning the tournament um, against um, what's uh, something Romao Romao I just need to pull that up it should be in front of me but it's not but it was uh it was awesome it was great i watched i watched every game of the finals and it was impressive and it was a control mirror and it was just like i'll draw my ta- my standard tapped land and play it pass it was like okay i'll draw my tapped land pass and then it was like eventually it was just like knock it was just like um, torrential gear coming down gear hulk was super super sweet to watch um like that and Glimmer of Genius, they were flashing back a lot of, so it was fun. It was standard cards. You know, it's not something that we do that much of, but it is always important to watch the Pro Tour and still see what's the best, so in light of the Pro Tour, the Top 25 changed. Um, the biggest one now is that Shody Asuka, who won the Pro Tour, who's a legendary player, like very, very famous um, a former Pro Tour champion and a definite Hall of Famer. Um, he jumped six spots. He's up to the number one in the world spot now, pushing Owen Turtenwald and Seth Manfield down to two and three, respectively. Um, the biggest jump was was Yuya Watanabe, who is, uh, I think, the champion of Pro Tour Dark Ascension was his last Pro Tour champion, but I could be wrong about that. He's obviously a very famous player. He jumped 11 spots. He's up in eighth now. Um, aside from that, you had Lee Tian uh, He jumped onto the top 25 at 19th overall in the world, and Matt Nass, who made the top eight. Um, he, unfortunately, had a total blowout matchup in the top eight of the Pro Tour, where he was playing Etherworks Marvel against a just dedicated control deck and just had no chance. And it was not really very fun to watch, but I felt bad for him. But, you know, congrats for making the top eight, man. That's awesome. And uh, he jumped into 24th overall in the world. Friend of the podcast, Paul Rietzel. Sad to see him dropped off the list for now. And Alexander Hain, champion of Protor and Restored, was dropped as well. So that is the top 25 as it stands right now. We're going to be trying to just kind of look in on that every week to kind of see who's, you know, leading and, and how things are looking. Louis Scott Vargas was previously number fourth in the list. He dropped down to seventh, um, didn't have the best showing. So moving on from that, uh, the, last, the last things that have happened have been we had two Grand Prix this last weekend. Kuala Lumpur was one, Providence was the other. Those are both standard. And we also had a Star City Open playing modern. So um, the Star City Open playing modern was really cool. I will get to that in just a second. I'll quickly run over these two Grand Prix um kuala lumpur was like pretty hilarious in terms of what actually did well um there was one two three four five six there were six white blue flash decks there was one white blue flash deck in the top eight at the pro tour and this top at this grand prix had six of them all of them playing four smugglers copters all of them playing four Gideon Ally of Zendikar. Oh, nope, one of them was playing one, but then three in the sideboard. Um I mean just a lot of the same deck, and then you had on the other side you had two copies of Mardu Vehicles. That was the actual top eight. Six of one deck and two of the other. So uh hilariously enough, the finals was actually White Blue Flash versus Mardu Vehicles. Um you know, that was cool. The I believe the Flash deck won the tournament. Um, I'm just going to make sure that is true right now. Um, oh no, it was Matsumoto who won it. Was Matsumoto who won it? Yes, it was Matsumoto who won it with Marty Vehicles. That's right. Um, I looked at the results on this one. I didn't get to watch Kuala Lumpur. But uh, for standard, that is pretty crazy. Six of one deck and two of another. Um, over in Providence, we also had a pretty unexciting top eight in terms of diversity, but it was a little bit better in just in terms of there not being six of one deck. Um, the top eight there was White Blue Flash, Black Red Zombies, four copies of Black Green Delirium, which is like Liliana's, and Ishkana, Graf Widow, which is super cool. Grim flares, one copy of Emmerclaw, the Promise End, and Traverse, the Wall. That's kind of the, it's kind of the base of the deck. So you had four copies of that. Um, you had a red-white vehicles. Uh, let's see, two red-white vehicles, and then that one uh, copy of blue-white flash plus the zombie deck. So half of it was one deck. The others were were different. In the finals of this one, you had the overwhelming favorites play against each other, and you had Ishkana Graph Widow um, in the Delirium deck pushing through for the final piece of damage. Uh, which was pretty cool. Wang, Wang Chen, uh, Yi, Wang Ichen uses the power of Ishkanagraphooter to overcome Seth Manfield uh, in the finals, is what the uh, headline reads. So uh, I watched like a little bit of the finals games here. Uh, this is a cool deck uh, for Standard. Like it definitely gives some ideas for Modern. Obviously, you have graveyard graveyard based strategies right now in Dredge that are very prominent in Modern. You also have uh, Jund and Abzan that are sort of these grindy two for one type of decks. This feels like it's combining two of those ideas. Grim player has been showing up in Jund and Modern, so as a four of in these decks. It's gives you some ideas. I don't think there's a port necessarily, but um, the cards that I'm the card I'm expecting there to be a port of sooner than later is definitely going to be Smuggler's Copter. That card's Really, 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 really good, and um, it's cheap, and it uses the kind of things that you want to be used in modern. Uh, it plays exceptionally well with Snapcaster Mage. It's just generally really, really good. It means you can like play a turn one Delver, and then if it doesn't flip, you can play a Copter, and then if your Delver continues to not flip, you can just be attacking with your Copter by tapping the Delver. Like, it's pretty, pretty sweet. So uh, I like that. Let's talk a little bit about modern format results um we have we have the star city games modern open um from milwaukee that took place this last weekend and was won by bant spirits this is cool this is really cool i was talking about a white blue spirits deck recently on this podcast that i thought was cool and caleb durward won this um and his list is like a lot of the cards i was playing minus the cute stuff you know i was trying to play like that like three three flyer with you know the tap down activation nibblus of frost i think it was called um a standard card that doesn't see play at all in you know in this format in modern but i was trying to play like that with like mutagenic growths and stuff but this is just generally good stuff you know it's drug skull captain mausoleum wanderer hierarch fantastical image rattle chain self of spirit spell quellers geist of saint draft um, four Collected Company, which is sick. Um, makes sense. It's a, it's a flash card. Three Path to Exile, and then two Steel of the Godhead. you guys remember on this very podcast how, when I was trying to sell a deck to you with Steel of the Godhead and guys of St. Traft and like Vidalcan Outlander or something like that because it was pro-red? Um, I thought that was pretty cool. This is using a lot of cards that I really like, so th- it's definitely exciting to see this win. Um, Rock Warmonk as a one-of in the sideboard is pretty cool as well. A couple copies of Blessed Alliance in the sideboard, the Escalate card, so... This deck is really sweet. Go to StarCityGames.com. Uh, you can check that list out. This is something... I'll, I haven't sleeved this up and played this, but I'll bet you this is a whole lot of fun to play. Um, aside from that, you had all known decks in the top eight. Um, Ad nauseum, finishing second. You had Dredge, Scapeshift, Affinity, Jess Jeskai Flash, Zoo, and then another copy of Dredge. Diverse top eight, for sure. Uh, it gets a little worse as you get nine through 16 because you end up with one, two, three more copies of Dredge, one, two, three copies of Infect, and then a copy of Bant Eldrazi and a copy of Affinity. So, you know, it's fine. It is it is what it is. Modern is a pretty diverse format right now. Definitely take note of that Flash deck that's really cool, or of that uh, Spirits deck that's really cool. And, and I think you'll start to see copters show up in Modern fairly soon. Um, you could even just stick it into Affinity if you wanted to. Um, I don't believe the third-place list was playing any, even in the sideboard, but... Uh, I think it'll start to show up. So uh, that pretty much wraps up what's going on right now in the competitive magic world. Uh, We are going to move on from that. We are going to get into this interview with Andrew Brown, talk to him a little bit about decisions to leave the pro magic world, to go and make the game that we love so much and why he's decided to do it. Um, You know, we love Andrew on this podcast. So this will be a a teary goodbye, but uh, definitely interesting. If anybody who listens to this is somebody who considers that like, what would it be like if I just went on the journey and I just decided I was going to go for it for a couple of years and see what kind of game design job I could get coming off of it? Because if you're really, really, really good at any game and you put in the time and you make it your lifestyle, there is definitely that there is definitely that bridge you can take into working for a company. Um, it happens to so many magic pros. They get this opportunity to go and make games. So, you know, it's interesting to hear his his feedback on it. As such a young kid, you know, Andrew's. A few years younger than me and Alex, I think just a few years younger, but for him to be getting this job at his age, um, is really cool for him and and very exciting. So, uh, excited to talk to him and we're going to get right into that right now. Um, bye guys. And then hello again in a second. And welcome back to the masters of modern podcast. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, not pretending to be Alex Kessler this week, because in fact, Alex Kessler is not here. He's in China. Um, actually in China. That's not even, I'm not even making that up. But I'm here to do the show for you guys, and we have a very, very special guest, a very special guest, one that you guys know intimately, almost as intimately as I know him. Yeah. Mr. Andrew Brown. <laughs> What's up, man? How's it going? Uh, really excited to be talking to you. We have like a really exciting show today. Um, I mean, this is way more exciting for you, obviously, because this is your thing, but um, you're back to announce your, your exit from Pro magic because... You got into a fist fight with another high-level pro. No, just kidding. You're taking a job at Wizards. Congratulations. Thanks.
0: I actually beat up a judge.
1: (laughs) Give me a case of diet soda.
0: No, I'm taking you down. (laughs) No, yeah, I recently accepted a position in Wizards R&D, and I'm going to be moving this Saturday up to Seattle. Start on Monday, and it's going to be an experience. I'm really excited. That's wild, man! I'm,
1: so I'm from there. I'm very excited you're going to my hometown. Um, I though it's not actually my hometown. It's kind of like when you get like moved to a sweet place in California to work for like Google, and they're like, "Yeah, just move out here, and we'll like put you in Corona." And you're like, "Oh, Corona's nice." They're like, "Yeah, it's really sunny in
0: Corona. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super hot in, in Corona. If you want a, a, a tan, you can walk outside. No, but yeah, Wizards is located in Renton, Seattle or Renton, Washington. So I'm going to be moving to Renton and. Apparently it's not the most lively town, but uh, hopefully I can uh, make a lot of friends there, you know? Yeah, Washington's really cool. Um, you,
1: you're you not particularly tan, but you'll be less tan once you go there, <laughs> and uh, so that's cool. Um, I was always really pale, and it, Washington didn't change that. Um, you're moving at the end of the summer here, so you've missed all the good days this year. I'm sorry um but uh it's it's a cool place and more importantly you'll be designing magic cards so explain exactly like for those listening what the differences are between say like development uh say like what are all the the different people who work on magic cards and make the cards happen like what's the difference between each one
0: okay so initially there's design um well first there's like world concepting that's when like the story team like says oh hey we're gonna like out Kaladesh, that's our world, and we're going to fill it with all of these people, and then they hand it off to Design, and Design's like, okay, let's make a bunch of cards that's related to the story and the flavor of Kaladesh, and it's going to be awesome, we're going to make them super cool, and then Design hands it over to Development, and Development's like, wow, you guys are have no idea how magic cards work. <laughs> yeah. But It's not to that extent, but like, Development does do a lot of toning down, and they make the The cards, like, still fun and exciting, but actually playable and make the play patterns fine for standard.
1: So, tell us a little bit about how... Well, I mean, okay, we're going to get to that. Because, like, I've only known you a few years. I guess it's actually been more than a few now. I think it's actually been, like, probably four, four... Four years. Yeah, like, four years. And in that time, it's funny because I distinctly remember when you were like exclusively a limited player and then i remember when you were like okay i'll try the standard thing and then you were like oh yeah i'm good at this so i'll keep working on it then a bunch of you guys made day two at a gp and it was like a big deal and then after that it was like yeah we always make day two and then it was it you or eugene who won the grand prix first
0: uh eugene won the grand prix first and then two months later i won a grand prix
1: so when you guys lived together, which is nuts, you were both just like, oh yeah, Like, remember like 18 months ago when we were just like the like the total like limited snobs at the store?
0: Uh, yeah, things do change fast when you put a lot of effort into Magic. Um, I mean, it might sound daunting playing like four hours a day, but I mean, when you're doing it with your best friends, like, the ceiling's actually infinite. Like, you can get as good as you possibly can, and the best thing about Magic is nobody's the best, there's always something that you can reach to, because like... It, the game is so open-ended that, like, nothing's perfect. That's what that's the beauty of it.
1: So, you go on that path. And, and you guys, if you've listened to this before, Alex and I have talked to Andrew a bunch of times. It's sort of about this progression because, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for a hundred and some odd episodes. So, some of your Magic career, a large amount of your Magic career has actually progressed in that time. I think you won the Grand Prix, like, right around the time we started doing the podcast. Um, but... So, so, moving on from that, like, you know, you had this great experience and you started to, to move up. Then you made your first Pro Tour and you did really well at a couple of Pro Tours, right? You top eight one and then you did like 24th at another. Is that right?
0: Uh, I've taught, to- I top 25 my first Pro Tour and then I have two Pro Tour top eights. You have two
1: top eights? I've like cheered for you and watched it and it happened twice? Really? That's insane. <laughs> you didn't know this? I'm sure I did know this. It's just like it's all happened in a very short time. So it's. Yeah. I mean, of the pro tours that have happened since you've been
0: a pro, what is it, five or something, four? Um, well, including this Hawaii, that was my seventh pro tour. But they were all strung together. They, I, I never missed one, so I played in all of them since Dragons of Tarkir. So,
1: out of seven pro tours, you made the top eight twice. That's, I mean, I can't imagine that's very common.
0: Uh, not that I know of. Um, I don't know. I. It's kind of awkward. Um, my Actually, my Grand Prix win rate is lower than my Pro Tour win rate. Um, I don't know. Something about playing against the best players in the world really gets me in the zone, and I like rarely make mistakes when I'm playing against someone who I know is really good, and I really crave that high level of competition. I really want to know that I'm facing the best, and that's when I really can like hone in and play my best. That's an inc- absolutely insane. So it's been a short time—only
1: seven Pro Tours—and with obviously almost half of your Pro Tours, you've been in the top 25, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, but you've now made this decision after—I mean, seven Pro Tours is less than two years. Yes. So you've made the decision then to to transition away from Pro Magic for this job. So tell me a little bit how this job came to be, like when you sort of had the inkling in
0: your head that you were thinking about maybe leaving Pro Magic. So I actually um, worked as a game designer for about 10 months at uh, Activision, and uh, I worked with some super smart people like Tom Lopilly, Patrick Sullivan, and Billy Moreno, and, you know, I went into work every day just being the stupidest person in the room, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Like, they would just kick my butt every day. Like, they, they knew so much more, but they would impart all of their knowledge to me, and, like, I realized that that's what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to make games. And, um, you know, after I stopped working there and, you know, I tried living the platinum lifestyle, which is just like kind of play magic all day, maybe write some articles. I was I really felt unfulfilled, you know, like waking up late, not doing really anything, and then just playing magic and not really having a goal or a routine or a regiment. And then um, so... You know, I applied for some other game design jobs, and then uh, Wizards replied, and I was—I, it was a hard decision, but in the end, I think it was the right one for me because I really just want to affect the Magic community as and be a positive influence. Okay,
1: so traveling now and, and going all around and meeting all these, you meet a lot of the high-level Wizards people at the tournaments because so many other people actually attend them, right? So before applying to this, you actually have a relationship to Helene, to people like that, right?
0: uh yeah to most of the op people the organized play people um you get familiar with them but not really in r&d um r&d only really sends like two representatives to every pro tour so i didn't really know any of them it was really through word of mouth from my old co-workers that like said oh yeah you should probably look into hiring this guy or give him the test and uh you know i actually went to seattle for penny arcade expo PAX. right there was a uh there's a pro player outreach liaison, uh, that they like, they ask a bunch of us like, Hey, how should we move forward with OP? And, uh, you know, I got to, since it was in Seattle, I got to meet a bunch of the designers and the developers there. And, uh, you know, it was like kind of a pseudo interview with like a bunch of meeting, a bunch of people in the company, having a good time. And the, it was just them really trying to get to know me. And, uh, I guess it really worked out.
1: Yeah. I mean, it absolutely sounds like it. So, so at that point that you make the decision, when did you start to have that inkling though that like, okay, I'm doing really well doing this pro thing. The lifestyle is a little unfulfilling as you said. And I've heard that from pros before that even at the highest level, even when you are platinum, which is like the, you know, the train or whatever. Um, and you're making like a decent amount of money because you're winning. I mean, especially top eight pro tours, like that's how you make money playing magic. Um, but when you do find it a little unfulfilling, like when did you start to think, okay, the next step of my life is probably going to be, quit this and just make the cards like
0: it's actually really interesting when uh you wake up in the morning and you don't have any obligations and you're the you're the richest you've ever been in your life it doesn't really make any sense um because like a lot of the like reward is so like short right like you top eight event or you win an event and it's just like for that week you're the king right but then it kind of like dies down and like It's the the pro lifestyle is just so volatile, like ups downs, ups downs, like and there's so much pressure to do well. Like, you go to an event and then coverage like immediately comes to you. They're like, "Oh hey, so what are you playing in this event? How are you going to take it down?" It's like so much like pressure bogging down on you, and like you get paired up against a person, and they're like, "Oh man, I recognize you. I really hope we have a good match." And there's like so many factors going on, and you just that it really wasn't for me in terms of like. I just wanted to go to and play magic and have fun, and you know play against good players, and you know just have a good discourse and play the game the way it was meant to be played. I didn't really like all of the extra things that were happening. Although, like meeting everybody's great, but just having the extra pressure and like having like if I don't do well at this tournament, something's gonna something bad's gonna happen, and I, I didn't I didn't really like that.
1: Also, like I mean, this is just. You are a super smart dude. You're very good at magic, but like, when you're I'm watching the Pro Tour and it's like they're doing you know the pre top eight interviews like deck text, things like that or the like post match interviews, and I'm watching and I look down at Twitch and it's like there's like forty three thousand people watching and you're doing a live interview. I was like, wow, this is a kid who's like really good at magic, but you never signed up to be on camera for forty fifty thousand people, and I don't know. I mean that's that's obviously. I'm on camera a lot. Rarely am I on camera for 50,000 people streaming live, if ever, if I can think of. And I'm somebody who craves that. So it's like I I sort of wonder what that experience is for somebody when so much of Magic is is an isolated experience where you are playing it on the computer by yourself. It's in a very quiet environment. You can wear what you want. You know what I mean? You're not being looked at by people. So, like, talk to me a little bit about what that's like. I mean, when you started to actually be recognized by people and have that experience where probably when you started to go to these things, you would – probably be a little bit less starstruck but you know you'd recognize be like wow i'm playing against an all-time player this is crazy
0: yeah i don't know it's uh definitely the the media aspect it's it's awesome it's cool to get recognized and it's fun to like answer the questions and everything but um sometimes it does really leak into your game like in uh i i've only won one game of magic in pro tour top eights So I got swept the first time, 3-0, and I lost 3-1 the other time, and uh, I know maybe it was nerves, I don't know, like, I always go back and watch those matches and try to think of stuff I could have done differently, like, I remember my first Pro tour Top 8, I I didn't sleep the night before, because I was just so anxious, I was like, wow, I've finally accomplished this thing, and now I just can't go to sleep, and then, like, the second time, like, I had a little bit of trouble sleeping, and then, like, there's just so much pressure on every single thing that, like, it got to me a little bit. But then again, I mean, I never know if, like, it was just in the cards for me to lose. But uh, I definitely felt a lot of those external pressures on me.
1: It's so, so sweet that one of your two Pro Tour top 8s is a Modern tournament. It makes me so happy with, like, how, with how much of, like, a distaste, like, so many pro players, I think yourself included, have had for competitive Modern.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to be honest, I think Modern's in a great place right now. Um, you know, I think its goal right now is to be like a good format for like stores or like maybe an occasional PPTQ or RPTQ. Like, I think it's in a great place for that. There's a lot of diversity going on and like all the new cars are seeing play. So it's kind of evolving and that's like, that's the place where it should exist. But definitely like my problem with it on the pro tour is that some of the teams are so good, like at figuring out what's good that like with let's just say four new sets come in and you know we still have and you just have this regular churn of like the occasional gp the fnm whatever right and then a pro team just comes in and they can just snap it immediately cuz they're like the brightest minds focusing on this one thing for so long and uh and sometimes you can get to the the unfortunate kind of like gameplay where people are main decking chalice of the void Like, I remember multiple times at the Pro Tour uh, because of the scouting. It's uh, not a problem anymore, but I saw a a couple like Chalice for Zeros against Affinity on the play. And one time I saw a Channel Fireball player playing the the Colorless Aldrazi deck. They went turn one, Spirit Guide, land Chalice for One against a person playing Delver. And they just immediately lost the game. (laughs) So, like, there's a lot of unsavory things that can come out of like a pro team just breaking it completely.
1: So is standard your favorite format? Are you more of a limited guy still?
0: Um, I feel like limited is the most fun magic because it's a new experience every time and there's endless discovery. But uh, the standard is the best format to get an edge because uh, you know if you've played 200 more games of standard than your opponent, you're more likely to win. And that's not normally the case with limited. I mean, it is still the case, but there is more of an edge in standard
1: as a pro player who's now moving over to work at wizards and this happens actually a decent amount. I mean, a lot of people have played at least at the highest level. Um, are you going to be one of the guys who actually tries to keep in mind the eternal formats and design? Because so many, because so many of the, the problems that we run into with eternal formats are that they say they don't test for Modern, They don't test for legacy. And then you have these cards printed where it's just is like, come on guys, like people care about this. Um, and I wonder as, as younger players are being hired over there to work on it, are you going to keep it in your in your mind or is not so much?
0: I am going to keep it in mind. Um, you know, we're not... The the philosophy is you're not supposed to, like, design or develop for those formats. They just kind of, like, exist as they are. But it, it's not to say that they just do nothing for it. Like, it's obviously always in the back of their mind. Like, it's always going to be in the back of my mind. Like, it, would this be too good with Mox Opal? Is Simeon Spirit Guide really good with this card? Right? Um, but it's, you know, it's impossible to... Uh, only theorycraft what's right or wrong without actually playing games with it
1: so we'll try to wrap up here with the last couple questions just about some of your time playing as a pro and maybe some memories things you experienced so do you have a single favorite memory from your time playing competitive magic i mean that's a tough question or at least one that ranks in maybe the top two or three that always comes to mind for you
0: um actually this is a funny one um it was at pro tour Earth of the gate watch that was my first top eight um when uh, it was the first round of Constructed, you know, 2-1 my draft, whatever, and, uh, you know, we, it's first round of Modern, I watch everybody around me, and, uh, you know, I get deck checked first, right? So, you know, we see, me and my opponent, you know, there are other matches going on around us, you know, it's like, oh, it's Zoo versus Infect, and it's like Affinity versus whatever, and, uh, you know, I draw my opening hand, and he draws his opening hand, and he goes, uh, you know, like, Urza's Power Plant, Chromatic Sphere, go, and I go... Eye um, of Ugin, mimic, mimic, go. Right? And then he's like, huh. Okay. And then, uh, you know, he untaps, plays another Tron piece. Sylvan's crying for his last Tron piece. And then uh, I untap, play an Eldrazi Temple, and I play Thought Not Seer, and I take his Pyroclasm. <laughs> he has no other action. And I, and then I attack him for eight, and then I play a Reality Smasher the next turn and kill him and it was at that point where everybody around us was just watching our match they were just just stunned they were like you couldn't do this or like this is a good thing to be doing and that was the moment where i realized that all of my practice and like knowing that like my hard work and my like creativeness can really come out and kind of like break it all and that was like the defining moment for the fact that oh i have the skills to break a format
1: Are you going to miss that are you going to are you going to miss your time as a pro obviously it was packed and short but like you're moving on to something totally exciting Um, will you miss it?
0: Um, I don't think I'm going to miss it too much. I'm going to try and do video coverage Um, because one of my favorite things was always just hanging out with my friends because like you travel to a new city, you're with your friends, you go to dinner, you hang out. It's awesome, right? Um, so, you know, if I do video coverage, I'm going to be going to GPs and I'll still be able to see all my favorite degenerate friends who are going to every single tournament. And, uh, I really just want to stay in touch with them and I want to stay in touch with the community. And, uh, yeah, that's my end goal.
1: Very, very cool. Now, obviously this is, you haven't even started it yet, so who knows what it's going to, who knows how it will feel for you, but long-term, uh, designing games is absolutely what you want to do. Is it the sort of thing where you think someday you want to launch your own company, have your own games?
0: Um, I, I don't know. I just want to, uh, I just want to learn as much as I can right now. And I think Wizards is going to give me the best education that I can get in terms of card game design. And, uh, it's a pretty good thing to have on your resume too. Yeah. Cause uh, I mean, magic's such a storied game and has had so much success that, uh, you know, I feel like it'll open up a lot of doors if I don't want to continue working there.
1: Um, you have told me many times that you only will make time to play in sanctioned competitive formats. Even though you once built a full Highlander roulette wheel, which is crazy. You played like once with it and then never played it again. Um, Now that you can't play sanctioned formats, are you going to play like Cube and things like that more?
0: Uh, Actually, I can play sanctioned formats. Uh, There's been a change where I can play in uh, non-premier level events. So I can play in like FNM or whatever. But, uh, you know, actually I'm not going to, it's, it's odd, because, you know, like, I had to spend, you know, so much of my time, like, playing Magic, like, for realsies, you know, like, my teammates would get home, my friends would get home at, like, 6, and from 6 till 1, I'd have to, like, grind competitive Magic and try to learn as much as I could, right? But it's going to be awkward now, or I, I don't know what to do with my time now after work's done, so uh, I definitely have to figure out some sort of competitive outlet or some sort of uh, outlet where I can learn or figure out something else, but... uh I don't know. It could be more casual formats, but uh, I may be magicked out after working ten to six on Magic cards.
1: You're gonna be like Jason Street in Friday Night Lights when he gets like paralyzed and he starts playing Murder Ball in the wheelchair. And he's like, he used to be like a he used to be like a quarterback, and now he's just like into it, and he's like super into it. That's what you're gonna get into, but not Murder Ball specifically. But you know, that Alder. <laughs> uh, anyway, that I think will wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for talking to us again, to to, to me again. Um, <laughs> this was this is fun, and I. I wish you the best on this journey. It's going to be sad to uh, to see you go and not be able to just like walk into the store and like slightly condescend each other and get good laughs out of it. Um, but you're going to be successful out there, and when I go home, I'll, I'll look you up. So uh, any any final thoughts to the magic, the premier-level magic world before you exit?
0: Uh, you know, it's been great. Um, hopefully I can continue to meet everybody, and you, if you see me at an event or whatever, don't be afraid to say hi. I love me meeting everybody, and uh, that's the best part about magic. You get to meet so many cool and interesting people that share this common bond of, you know, we all play this game, and even if we don't even speak the same language, we can play the same game. That's, uh, that's really the beauty of it.
1: Super sick. All right, man. Well, thank you, and uh, enjoy the the King's game. It's going to be awesome. <laughs>
0: I'll see you later. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, Alligator.